It's time to crack a cold one and wreck some rankings on Wrecked Rankings. Hi, uh, this is Nathan. The first voice you heard was Matt, and I want to start off by asking you a question. Do you feel like a winner right now? If you don't, that sucks. However, I do have some good news. Matt and I, at the request of absolutely no one, are here to provide you the knowledge you need to improve your life. We're here to do that in the form of providing rankings of all sorts of topics. Pretty much anything is on the table. So, my purpose here is I'm supposed to be providing you the best of every category of our choosing. But that's not all we're here to do. Matt? You know, Nathan's a very positive guy. He, he talks about the best things in life. I'm here to tell you the five worst things in every particular category. You know, wh- what's better than being good? Being not terrible. And how do we be not terrible, Nathan? We avoid the terrible topics. So I'm going to cover the worst things that you should avoid at all costs, the worst things you don't need to view in life, the worst things you don't need to eat in life. And it's just going to make your life a little more tolerable. True. So it's like I always say, if you want something to be ruined, just ask Matt for his help with that. So he he fits in quite nicely on that side of the spectrum. So today, what are we talking about, Matt? Oh, man, we got a doozy today. Today, we're talking about the five best and the five worst sitcoms. What is, what is a sitcom, Nathan? A uh, sitcom would be a situational comedy, but yes. other than that, uh, it can vary quite widely as far as what it covers, who's involved, what are the common themes, and I think we'll probably find that out with our list today. So I think, uh, are you ready to get this thing going? Dude, let's get this ball rolling. All right, so so jumping in, what we'll do is I'll start off first with what I think is the fifth best sitcom, and I'll kick it over to Matt for his fifth worst and vice versa. All right, so for me, I, I started off with number five. I knew there was going to have to be some kind of family sitcom that was going to make the list. And so what I have here in this spot is The King of Queens. <laughs> the King of Queens, huh? Yes, so, King of Queens lasted nine seasons from 1998 to 2007, and the reason I chose it here is that I feel like it excels where a lot of shows failed in the past. For example, when you look at some of the past family sitcoms or have, one of the critical components, I feel like at all times, is that you need to have good anchor characters. So, in a lot of those cases, you would have the husband, the wife, maybe a couple other family members serve as really the core dynamic. And so one of the shows I didn't like in the past was Everybody Loves Raymond, for example, where I did not think Deborah, the wife, was a likable enough character to where it's it's hard to relate. And I feel like that's something where the King Queen's formula really improves upon, where Doug, the husband, and Carrie, the wife, you can relate to both the characters, you can understand their actions, what they're doing, and every time there there is some kind of conflict, you can sympathize with those people. But more importantly, you add in... Ben Stiller's father, Jerry Stiller, as the character Arthur, who is pure comedic gold throughout the series, in my opinion. But you have have something to say to that, Matt? You know, I think Kevin James gets a bad rap, right? So, like, in reality, he's just living out all of our dreams, you know? Like, yeah, he he, he stars in a lot of corny things. You know, your Paul Blartz. uh, God, that was terrible. You know, he was in Grown Ups. He's just out there. He's having a good time. And I feel a lot of people just... You know, they, they get on to him, you know, just because, you know, he was one of the original chubby guys on TV. You know, I consider myself a chubby guy, and, you know, he gives us all hope, you know, but I think he plays the lovable loser very, very well. He, he did that role amazingly. Something I've always wondered about is how in the world they can afford to live in that house in Queens. They have a pretty sizable house in in Queens area, and 
he is a delivery driver and she is a paralegal. I've never quite figured out how they're able to manage an income for, for that kind of living. Cause I've, I've looked at the housing price in the area. They are quite ridiculous. <laughs> now to be yeah. fair, this was what this show started in the late nineties, early yeah, 2000s. Late 90s. You know, housing prices could have been a little different back then. Um, that, that's, that, that does perplex you. How did they own that house? I mean, they didn't really get rent from Jerry Stiller's character. So, <laughs> maybe there's a side hustle going on we didn't know about. Hey, you know, there, there's a lot of crazy schemes on that show, so it, it is quite possible. But yeah, it makes you think. But yeah. So, I, I think yeah, another thing goes to is, I mean, the show never took itself too seriously at times. I mean, it always kept it pretty lighthearted, but it, you could always get something out of it. And, and I think that's where it was consistently an enjoyable show to where. There's never any lulls because that's another issue with sitcoms. I feel like there's certain seasons that are just not quite up to par with the others, and that that's a consistent error. I mean, when when you look at most shows in their entire run, so I think that's something the King of Queens is able to avoid. Yes, I mean, you know me, I'm a pessimist, so I, you know I, I think my issue with that show was Kevin James's character never really did anything wrong. It was always his wife who got on to him for crazy things, and then like. Every episode would be like, all right, Doug does something bad, but then at the end of the show, he's a lovable, cute guy that does the truffle shuffle, and then everything's back to normal. <laughs> so, like, you know, it, it, it got a little old after a while, but, you know, that, that's a lot of sitcoms, right? I mean, you have the fat or ugly husband that's yeah. with the, the more attractive wife. Yeah. Hey, but don't forget, this show also led us to the future to get Kevin Can Wait. Uh, so, so I mean, a, a hallmark of a great sitcom is that in the future you get some form of spin-off sitcom. So I, I think that, that serves as a testament to the impact that the show had. That's, yeah. I remember seeing one episode of that. And it just it made, me, made me wonder, like, how are they still doing these things on primetime television? That's... Just, just a bad idea. I'm assuming that's reference to Kevin Can Wait. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, Kevin Can Wait. I mean, you know. King of Queens is fine. Kevin Kawhi, that that's a whole other rabbit hole we could go down. Um, All right, anything Matt. else on King of Queens? I think we can leave it there for now. All right, Matt, what's your fifth worst? Fifth, fifth worst one. This is going to be one that nobody would ever just guess off the cuff. Uh, the show Reva, starring Reva McIntyre. So, you wait, know, wait, wait, hold on. Did you just say nobody would ever guess that the Reba show would be bad or that they just wouldn't remember it because of how bad it is? Right. It's one of those things like I, I don't think many people remember it. Like, you know, it's just, most people don't remember how terrible it was. And, you know, I may be a little biased in this. Uh, my mom was a big country music fan. So, like, this show, for whatever reason, was always on growing up. It aired from 01 to 07. Crazy. Crazy amount of time for Reba. It, you know, it, the show bothered me in so many different ways. So, like, in the first episode, you find out she's left, her husband left her for what later in the series ends up being her best friend. You know, her husband knocked up that, that person while they were still together. Also, in the first episode, you find out her oldest, oldest daughter in high school is pregnant. I mean, it basically and, sounds like you're describing one elongated country song. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and Reba's country songs are pretty terrible. So, like, that's that's what it is. It, this is like... I, I just don't get it. You know, there's the, the cliche, dumb football jock guy... Who ends up, you know, getting married because he knocked up the teenager, and you know she becomes like a, you know, surrogate parent, and it, 
it's just Reba being a grandmother with all kinds of, of issues and quirkiness, and the whole thing is, oh, geez, I was left alone. And it's just, it's just bad television. Just watch anything else. Put anything else on the TV. Terrible acting. The, the, the song, the song for Reba, she didn't even write it. Yeah, she recorded it in the studio, but she couldn't even record her own song for her own television show. That's how bad it is. Hey, well, I mean, in all fairness, the show lasted six seasons, and honestly, it wasn't even canceled on its own merit. It didn't even get nixed until the CW happened, and they merged WB and uh, UPN, and that's when the cancellation finally happened, when they didn't keep it on as a show. Would you consider the CW to be a hero in this respect? The CW is a godsend. You know, I'm really surprised the show didn't debut on CMT. Uh, granted, I think it's syndicated right now on CMT, but it, it's just, yeah. Thank, thank you, CW. Thank you for getting rid of that trash. Hey, well, also, the show was set in Houston, Texas, so... It, it was. There's a little bit... Do you consider that to be a disgrace upon the city, or is there a little bit of local pride involved? It makes Houston seem bad. We do not have that much teen pregnancy... And, uh, you know, affairs and things of, of that nature. God, just the quicker we can get Reba out of our heads, the better. I will not dispute that. So I will help you with that by moving on to number four on my best list. So here I've got the show Arrested Development. And uh, I, I guess one caveat I'll put in here is that this is really focused on the first three seasons of the show. Uh, as of right now, there's been five seasons, two that have been aired onto Netflix. But really, what I think is the first three seasons of Rested Development are just about as good as a sitcom can get. I mean, really, the premise, everybody imagines they have these crazy families that have all these antics. And uh, this show is is basically, if that were true, and to the biggest scale imaginable. Yeah, I mean, you go through some real issues with the family, such as government corruption, murder, incestual possible relationships, really heavy stuff that's it's really important to explore in the form of a sitcom. And so going through the, wow. what, <laughs> what, what really stands out to me is, I mean, if you, if you watch the show, just how intricate the plot lines are. It's basically almost like you're watching something with the scale and thought of Game of Thrones to where all these plot lines are interweaving. You'll see references show up in multiple places You'll see characters interact in the most unusual of ways. And I think also it's almost like an improv type acting style that that really boosts the show as well. You'll get pretty much characters from all kinds of family interactive ways. You have different groupings. And I just think that the flow is really well. The chemistry of the cast is perfect. Ultimately, I think that's one of the issues when it moved to Netflix is that they had not quite as many filming sessions where all characters were present. There was a lot of isolated storylines which destroyed the group dynamic i think of the show and ultimately that's why i think the later seasons don't live up to the hype of the first three but other than that i think it's just absolutely fantastic you know i was never the biggest fan of arrested development i mean so the biggest you know things that i liked in the few episodes i did watch jason bateman is just so underrated as an actor he makes He's, a perfect straight man too. He, he makes a perfect straight man you, you just root for the guy you know uh jessica walter Mm-hmm. Big fan of her. Uh, I mean, mainly from Archer. Big fan of her from Archer. But, like, essentially the same character, almost. You know, <laughs> Pretty much. Crazy mother figure. Um, I mean, I just can't stand Michael Sarah at all. Michael Sarah has to be, like, the worst actor of all time. See, I think the awkwardness adds a perfect dynamic <laughs> to, to, to the, uh, the show itself. I also think another great actor worth mentioning is Will Arnett. 
who you've probably seen other things, or if not, you've probably at least heard his voice as Lego Batman. But uh, I, I think that that's another great casting choice for the show. Um, I, I mean, but I, I guess you dislike Michael Sarah, period? Or I, I dislike him in everything. I don't think he's redeeming, you know, in any form of media. And, you know, it, it will Arnett. What about the movie This Is The End? Have you seen that where Michael Sarah is somewhat psychotic and... Now, to be fair, he plays his most accurate representation in This Is The End. So you, you, would, you would guess that that's how he behaves in normal life? Absolutely. 110%. You know, Will Arnett, you were talking about him being a Lego Batman. That's his best role. Just voiceovers. You know, BoJack Horseman? Uh, BoJack, BoJack Horseman is, is a fantastic show. But he's best... He, he really does have a voice for radio. He should never show his face in anything. It makes you want to punch him. He, he was in one episode of Parson Rec. Remember, he was dating Leslie Nope, and you know, he just, I actually don't remember. You don't what remember that? It? it was one of the earlier seasons, and they were on like a blind date, and then he wanted to go give her a uh, an X ray or a, a a CAT scan. I think I'm vaguely remembering this. And then, he, and then he kept like yelling at her for moving while he was asking her questions <laughs> in the X ray machine. So it, you know, just just a guy you want to punch in the face. <laughs> All right, I, I guess unless you have anything else to add, that do you want to move on to your number four? Yeah, so the number four worst sitcom of all time, another controversial pick, Full House. <laughs> Not Fuller House, which is also bad, Full House. You know why? It went on longer, it had more star power, and at the same time, it was just as unfunny as the, as the uh, spinoff. So, it had good comedians. So it had Bob Saget, David Coulier, but they weren't funny. I don't understand if, if it was just the writing. There were no good It was a jokes. family show. It, I understand that, but there has to be some sort of redeeming quality. So, like, they tried to bring edgy stuff in, you know, with John Stamos. It's like, oh, he's a badass. He has long hair and a motorcycle. That's it. <laughs> That's the only thing. So, like, what what are we supposed to do? You know, it's like these three weird guys... Shacking up together to raise three daughters. Four daughters. But, like, it, it's... I just don't get it. It's like the epitome... It's like staring at a 30-minute Hallmark card. <laughs> that, that's what Full House is. It, it is like staring at a Hallmark card for 30 minutes. It's like one episode was really wild. It's like DJ, the oldest daughter, gets in trouble from her father for holding a beer. Not drinking and consuming the beer... Holding a beer well, why for a was friend. She, why were they holding it? For a friend. To not be, are you not a good friend? Would you not How hold old my beer? The they were underage. But look, we were underage, and we you know we we may or may not have had beer underage. Oh, allegedly, yes. allegedly, cannot confirm or deny that. But like, there's one episode where Stephanie, like the middle daughter, like gets offered cigarettes, and then like Bob Saget has the weird fatherly talk. And every time he has a weird fatherly talk, there's this odd music that plays in the background that's supposed to make you feel feelings. And it's just, it doesn't fit. It's awful. Bob Saget's a terrible father. David Coulier is a creepy uncle. John Stamos, yeah, he might be good to look at, but he was a, he's terrible at acting. Okay, all right, all right, a counterpoint right here. Okay. So everything that it lacks in the comedic hilariousness category, what it makes up for it, for that with is... Family values, teaching family values, and I mean, I think it's even evident because it's stuck with the cast. Because uh, Lori Laughlin learned that family is more important than anything. 
when she decided to uh, bribe schools into allowing wow. her daughters in. So, I mean, the, the the show really teaches you that family is important. That might and, be the funniest and, thing you've ever said. <laughs> would you consider funnier than the show itself? That is absolutely more hilarious than the show itself. So, so you have to admit, there's some redeeming qualities on that front. Redeeming is an interesting word, but from a certain point of view, absolutely. It just... <laughs> That makes my case, man. That's all I gotta say about Full House. <laughs> all right, so I'm, if you're if you're ready, I'm gonna move on to my number three, which is "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia," in as the third best sitcom of all time. So "It's Always Sunny" has actually been around for quite a long time now. It started in 2005. It is still airing seasons. It's 14 seasons in. It's 154 episodes in. And I think one of the, the the big factors in this is somewhat similar to Arrested Development. It's just purely the chemistry. And, and I think this kind of goes for, for all sitcoms. But between the characters, you have this kind of improv playing off each other style that works perfectly. Every single interaction, you never know what's going to happen, but it always feels natural. It feels unscripted. And then beyond that, I think kind of going to your full house uh, talk and, and about the values of teachers. It's always something in Philadelphia is able to do something really interesting where you learn some really good lessons by how awful the people are in the show and how all the awful things they do come together and just show how awful and ter- terrible they are. It basically shows you an example of what not to do to where, honestly, you probably get more wholesome values out of watching this show, regardless of the content, than you would in others. And it's kind of like this weird juxtaposition, I, I guess you could call it, but uh I think another big factor is whenever they added in Danny DeVito, who is probably one of the best TV actors I've ever seen in his role as Frank Reynolds. It's just funny. You hear the stories about how reluctant he was to like do the show at the beginning because they were, they were asking him to do a lot of crazy weird stunts. And, I think it's weirder as the just, show goes on. Oh, yeah, I, I, I think he's accepted that. I think it was just getting him on board for those first few seasons. And, you know, credit to them. I think the 15th season, I believe for a, a live-action sitcom... That'll be the longest ever. I believe they're tied for first now. Um, but, you know, they've endured channel changes. You know, it started off on FX, and then they went to that weird spinoff channel, FXX, for a while. Is that still a channel, or are they back on regular FX? I believe FX? it's still there. The FX, FXX yeah. still exists. But, it, you know, credit to them. They've had enough ratings, and they, they were able to convert enough people to that channel to keep going. But it, it, it's just insane. It, it's insanity. And, you know... The uh, the amount of ways they're able to keep that show fresh with just off the wall ideas with the the main cast that stayed the same for all fifteen seasons or fourteen seasons um, that's just incredible. You don't see the same cast. Normally, there's some big departure. Yeah, I mean, within the cast though, you have some great development. I mean, Mac becomes Fat Mac. That's true. Who becomes not Fat Mac again? So it's it, you see a lot of developments over time too over the fourteen seasons that I, I think go unnoticed a lot of times. But uh, I guess... Uh, what range he has as an actor, physically. Absolutely. <laughs> if you see him now, he, I mean, the, the guy is in impressive physical shape at this point. Yeah, he can totally <laughs> kick our butts. <laughs> then uh, I guess that that's pretty much all I had to say on well, that. Fantastic show, Nathan. Gr- great pick there. I'm glad uh, we're in agreement there. Yeah. All right, what is your third worst show? Third worst show of all time, The Golden Girls. <laughs> Let me tell you about the show. So, hey, uh, let, let's pretend we're, you know... We're people pitching the show, and you know we're going to like ABC, ABC executives. Um, g- good afternoon, gentlemen. What do you guys have for us today? Well, let me tell you, Bob, about this fantastic show idea we have. 
We're going to follow these three old as dirt ladies living out their retirement in Miami. Sold! See, what a terrible premise for a show. Who wants to watch three old ladies and one of their mothers living at a, a home in Florida? Getting in hijinks. The show's terrible for a few reasons. One, it, it's not relatable. Nobody relates to that. Like, you know, I, I know they had decent ratings for a while, but like... The, the key demos is what you want, Nathan. You want that 18 to 49 demographic. That's really what you want. They weren't captivated. They weren't captivated in that sort of way. You know, you had odd things like well, lots of sex jokes. You wouldn't assume Golden Girls would have that. There was so much sexual innuendo, and they made fun of one of the friends because she was more of a free spirit in that way. <laughs> and, like, there were a lot more jokes that, like, if the same thing happened to a 25-year-old, People would have questioned that more. But because the lady was like 60, everyone just turned a blind eye. Oh, it's funny because she's an old lady and she's having all these escapades. Why so, is that acceptable? So, so you're fighting for equality. Ageism. Is, is your, okay. Ageism. Why, why is she going to pass just because she's 60 and she wants to go have a good time? You know, you, you, again, 23-year-old girl over here would, would be chastised for it. That's insane. Two, they're always eating cheesecake. Who does that? It's terrible for your lifestyle. If you eat cheesecake all day after complaining with your friends, you're going to get fat and you're going to die. And they're more at risk because they're old. Well, maybe they've accepted death at this point in their lives and they want to live the life they they choose to live. They haven't accepted death. You know why? Because they live with B. Arthur's mother in the show. And you know what? If they they live with her, that's like death in itself. She was an awful character. All she did was complain all the time and, and, you know, devise schemes and just go off the wall. All right, well, how do you feel? I mean, according to the internet, anything that Betty White touches is perfect and can do no wrong. But which, not which back is then. direct contradiction to the it, Golden Girls statements you're no, making. No, no, right now listen, Betty White was not the icon she was back then. You know, this show aired from 85 to 92. She was not the meme-worthy hot dog eating woman mm. that we see today. All right, look. They had no acting chops. They had great guest stars occasionally. They had people like Mario Lopez was on the show, George Clooney, Burt Reynolds. And you know why you don't remember that? Because their terrible acting drug it down. How do you have two of the most handsome men of all time on your show and and it's not memorable? Who does that? Old people do that. Hey, Alex Trebek was also a guest star. Was he? Actually, he was. I believe Bob Hope was too. (laughs) It's a a crazy lineup of people, but it, it just goes to show... There's no interest in it. Get it off of syndication. Nobody wants to see that. They also had terrible spinoffs. There was the Golden Palace that saw that starred three of them except for B. Arthur. Awful shows, guys. <laughs> God, just put it in the, put it in and leave it in the retirement home. Go just keep talking, Nathan. Talk about uh, something else. Alright, trucking along, we're down to number two on the best list, which is where I have the sitcom known as Friends. Which is I mean the Highest grossing sitcom of all time, running from 1994 to 2004. Ten seasons, 236 episodes. And honestly, when you ask most people what the best sitcom of all time is, you're going to get a couple answers from people. Friends is one of the most common you'll ever see. And and so it, it comes down to, to what, what made it so great. Nothing. <laughs> I, I actually need to give some full disclosure here. I'm actually not the biggest Friends fan there is. Uh, my my wife definitely is a friendophile or whatever the correct oh, what? term. What what was that name? Friendophile. 
That sounds like Forensic Files, which is I may a have heard show. it before. I may have made it up on the spot. I have absolutely no idea. But but the question becomes, all right, what made it so great? And, and so you look at it, and I mean, it was partly of the times in the 90s, but it, it wasn't set to where it relied purely on the nostalgia or the you know common topics of the time. What, what it really focused on is, I mean, you had these six friends, uh, as per the premise, and each of them had their own character development. They uh, were all likable for the most part, except for Ross, who was terrible, yep. and I hate him. But but other than that, I mean, you had these really great characters who not only get into interesting situations, but over time you can kind of see them grow and develop, and you actually care about them. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm not even the biggest fan of the show, and I, I can understand from, from an outside perspective why it would be so beloved. You know, I, I want to rip on you really hard, but you keep saying it's not really you, it's your wife. So I'm going to rip on your wife for a second. A couple things about the show. I'm not even looking at, you know, how it's aged, you know, with, you know, homophobia and, you know, representation. Not even those kinds of things. Certain things that bothered me. That show had the pointiest nipples of any show I've ever seen in my life. Every episode. So this is this is one of the cons? Yeah, this is absolutely one of the cons. This is vastly inappropriate for the youth of America. Like, wh- why? Everything was baggy and hard at the same time. What, what if in, in syndication they digitally reanimated the show to round out the nipples? No, 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 no. The only thing that would be acceptable is if they had, like, those bouncing stars that were in, like, the Girls Gone Wild infomercials. <laughs> <laughs> that just kind of went wherever they moved. Would they be present in all scenes or only the ones that need the editing? Because it would be kind of jarring if they weren't there permanently. You know, that's a very fair point. I guess you have to have them all the time. But wouldn't that make the show add more star power? Is this only for female cast members? No. This is absolutely for everybody. There were nipples galore on that show. Okay, so does every character in the entire show now have bouncing stars around their pectorals? Yes. Absolutely. I, I think that makes the show... Like 10% more likable. In, including any infants within the show? Yeah. And small absolutely. children? Okay. Why not? Cover it all up. All right, so we found a way to improve Friends to make it more uh, appealing to the public, I suppose, now. Yeah, I mean, but like, yeah, where they hang out? A coffee shop. That is like the lamest setup ever. Who wants to hang out at a where coffee shop? Where else would shop? you hang out in the mid-90s? In New York? A bar? We can't hear each other. What do you mean you can't hear each other? We're not, we're not going clubbing. What, what if they don't want to drink? Maybe they're recovering alcoholics. That's even worse. So why do you go to a coffee shop and not patronize it? Half the time they don't get coffee. They just sit there on the weird couch just chalking and taking up prime real estate. If I owned that small business, I'd be really angry. You know, How are they always able to get that couch? Because you, you figure right. that would be like the most in-demand seat in the entire place, but somehow they're the ones who are always in it while everybody else is reserved to the obviously lower quality standing tables and... Or uh, I guess high tables, whatever you want to call them. You know, that, that's a very interesting trope in a lot of sitcoms is, why, yeah, why is that? Like, wouldn't, I want to see a sitcom that, like, they go to the same restaurant, but they have to sit somewhere else every time. How, how many coffees would I have to buy to be able to have a permanent VIP section within the coffee shop? I mean, maybe that's what it is. Because, you know, I, I know Rachel worked there for the first few seasons, but, yeah, there was no priority there. So, huh. That's... Let's make a show where we go to a bar, but we sit at a different booth every episode. That's hey. fresh. That's what the people want. <laughs> and then going back to the other statement made before, a hallmark of a great sitcom is that there's spin-off sitcoms based off that. 
All right, so with Friends, I mean, shortly after you got the sitcom Joey, which I know you were a big fan of. Joey was an awful show. It really, really was. All right. So then uh, I think uh, going to your number two then on the worst list. So number two on the worst shows of all time. Nathan, are you familiar with Geico Insurance? I am. You could save uh, something by get I, I think they, I think they I, just changed their motto, but it was fifteen percent. Yeah, fifteen percent or more. Minutes or, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they say now, but it, yeah. So you get the gist. in the mid two thousands, they had a bunch of commercials featuring a caveman, and it's like so easy a caveman can do it. Essentially, that's what the premise was, and, and somehow that premise was able to get a television show. So the show Cavemen from two thousand seven. I don't know where to start. So again, it started off of a insurance commercial. The whole premise is, oh, we're a bunch of cavemen and we live with the rest of society, but we're ostracized from society because we're different. It's just a race relations show. It's like the main character is engaged to a normal homo sapien and her family doesn't accept him. So he spends like the whole show trying to get their acceptance. And it's just... It doesn't make any sense. There's another episode, and this only went one season, but like there's another episode where one of the cavemen is working at a school, but then he gets mad and wants to quit the school because the school's mascot is a caveman. And it's just like, it, it does it insists upon itself. So like, I, I, I don't understand, you know, like one guy gets fired from a hardware store because he, he was unhelpful because he was a caveman and didn't have experience with certain tools. It just, it doesn't make sense. Why would people want that in 2007? It wasn't funny. It, it's just, uh, I don't know, Nathan. I'm going to have to agree with you on this. So, honestly, I, I dropped off after the first caveman commercial. So, with the Geico commercials, I think the very first one where it's the so easy a caveman can do it. And then it's it's man delivering the the motto at a commercial filming, and then you see the caveman uh, was it a microphone operator become upset unexpectedly leave the set. I think I think the comedy on that was perfect. The timing, and the writing, it was, it was great. But then it was already stretched out when they made additional commercials based off the same joke, let alone creating an entire sitcom based off that one joke. Which is really only funny the first time you hear it. So, I mean, I, I don't know how this ever made it that far, if we're being completely honest here. It, it, it's a wonder. I, I really don't get it. I guess, you know what, good for people for having a job for a little while. But it's <laughs> just an awful show. All right. So I think we've now reached the pinnacle of our list. So now I will tell you what is the best sitcom of all time, which is The Office. I see you nodding, so I think oh, that's, ab- ab- that's absolutely. a good reception there. Absolutely. All right. So yeah, from 20, 2005 to 2013, we got nine seasons of The Office. Uh, you, you may like some seasons better than others. Uh, just over 200 episodes. And I, I think it stands the test of time, even as we slowly start to move away from that, just because of the great diversity in the cast and the characters. Because you basically had a office workplace where... You had all kinds of people from all around the spectrum. And just throughout the show, they're constantly... You're, you're having different groupings of people involved in different ways. But everything always feels so seamless. 
the interactions are great. I mean, it, it's nonstop laughs when you're when you're watching the show. I mean, Steve Carell's Michael Scott is got to be one of the top sitcom characters of all time, whether you love him or hate him. I mean, the chemistry of the show is great every minute that he's on there, and I, I think that's something you can't avoid. Um, but I guess you, you're a, you're an Office fan, aren't you? Yeah, I, I think this is a a top choice. I, I think you did a fantastic job here. You know, a lot of people complain about the last couple seasons. They think it should have ended with Goodbye, Michael. Which, I can see that argument. But you know what? I don't think people gave um, James Spader's Robert California enough credit. I loved his character in Season 8. I thought it was fantastic. You know, it's just such a departure. Even Kathy Bates came in there. And she, she did a good job. Will Ferrell for a few episodes. You know what? It's such a legacy. It, you know... With such a boring premise, you know, a, a mockumentary about a paper company, um, just so many great times with that show. I mean, I, I don't have anything bad to say about it. Yeah. I mean, I think I, even if you dislike the later seasons, uh, I mean, the ninth in particular, I think the way they ended it was appropriate. I think really kind of at the end, the way they pulled it together was satisfying. I think that's some an issue with a lot of shows is that they don't always find a good note to end on. And, and so, like you said, I mean, it's one of the, the places you could have chosen to end was with the Goodbye Michael. They, they did carry on for multiple seasons, but I think the benefit is you got to see what happened with everybody else. They're able to wrap up all the other storylines and, and really, like I said, even if you don't like where they went along that path. I mean, by the time you get to the end, I think it was a pretty agreeable conclusion. Yeah, you know what? It may have drug on for a little long, but I thought the series finale actually was one of the better series finales. You know, it, it, it tied all those loose strings. You know, Dwight became a really sympathetic character by the end. Uh, so he had a really interesting arc. Uh, they got Steve Carell back for the last episode. Um, you know, so I think the last season's explored a few interesting topics, you know, like Jim and Pam going through marriage issues and things like that. So, you know what? Overall, fantastic show. It's like the show that most everyone just puts on Netflix on repeat. You know, you leave it on in the background and, you know, while you're doing chores, you know, fold laundry, stuff like that. And it never gets old. You just keep re-going through the series. You're like, should I watch something new today? Hey, wife, you want to watch something new? You want to check out this new show? No, let's just go back through The Office. You know, and... It's leaving Netflix at the end of the year. It's going to Peacock. It's another streaming service. Enough to Damn get streaming services, man. There's way too many of them. That's the golden goose of the yeah. streaming service. Time to cancel Netflix whenever that happens. <laughs> all right, Matt. What's your top worst sitcom of all time? The worst sitcom of all time is interesting because I don't think a lot of people have either heard of this show or remember it. But if you ever watched the couple episodes that aired, you'll never forget it. The show is called Work It from 2012 on ABC. It only aired two episodes before being canceled in the U.S. It aired another 10, 10 or 11, I believe, in New Zealand. <laughs> but that was it. Um, it starred two guys. One of the guys starred as, uh, or guest starred as Don and How I Met Your Mother. I don't know if anybody you know, remembers that. He was like Robin's news anchor partner for a while. Um but essentially the premise is two guys that are unemployed car salesmen have issues getting jobs and they deduct that the reason they can't get jobs is because people are, you know, eliminating men from the workplace. So what is their solution? They're going to dress up like women and go get jobs as pharmaceutical reps. And it's like, 
it's amazing that it got pro- approved in 2012. I can see like a 2002 thing, but it's like they're dressing h- horribly. It is so obvious that they are men. All they do is is make fun of the women that they work with in the two episodes that they're ditzy and can't do their jobs and they only have their jobs because they sleep with the clients. And it's just, it's not funny at all. And it's like, there's not one redeeming quality with it. And it just, it, it makes you wonder if that can get on primetime television. It's just like, what else would pass? You know, it just awful show. I, I mean, some interesting things to note. So, so the show seems to imply that it is easier for women to get jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, is, uh, quite an interesting take. Uh, Especially in corporate America or more office jobs. Yeah, it's like the opposite. <laughs> so, uh, I, I mean, that's that's a fatal flaw just from the very start. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I really can't say anything that disagrees with that just because I can't think of anything to say in favor of the show. But, I, like, I mean, it, it's not, like, none of the jokes are funny. None of them land. I implore you, please go on YouTube and watch the Work It trailer. It was posted by ABC, again, like maybe four or five years ago on YouTube. Please go watch it. It's like a minute and a half long. That's all you need to see. <laughs> and it, it's just incredible how much of a train wreck it is. So so I don't get to, I, I mean, I never watched the show. I hope you didn't watch too much of it either. But, I mean, how did they even do this? Did they falsify employment documents in order to get these positions? I don't, I don't fully understand how the premise works, but it, it sounds like that wouldn't yeah. be possible. <laughs> So, no, they did get identification, and they did dress as women and then go into job interviews as women. They changed their name slightly, but it's like, it, it you couldn't even, like, suspend disbelief. It, it was so obvious that they were men. And, like, you know, there'd be, Maybe like... Maybe there like, were very progressive workplaces who wanted to support... No. So, like, in one of the episodes, like, they're, they're eating lunch together, all the quote-unquote women, and, like... The one guy who's dressing up as a woman like pulls out a big sub sandwich and he's going to eat it and he gets a weird look from the other women because I guess it's a big sub sandwich and I guess women can't eat big sub sandwiches. So he like he trashes it for like a salad. It's just, it is so awful. Keep listening, travesties. <laughs> Please, oh, just go watch it. It, just go, it won't take that much Sounds time. Sounds like the opposite of what we should do. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I guess uh, that really concludes the list. I mean, is there any glaring omissions you would think on the best list? Or you know, the only th- the only thing I, I had issues with. There's two glaring omissions for me: uh, Parks and Recreation. Parks and Rec was something that I was considering. I am I am just amazed you included King of Queens and not Parks and Rec. Just the array of characters you have in there. Uh, Ron Swanson, by far one of the best characters of all time. Um, like, yeah, the first couple seasons kind of rough but once you hit season three it hits its stride once rob lowe and uh adam scott come into the mix fantastic show and yeah. you know what no laugh track which i love shows with no laugh tracks better oh i think i agree it's really the kind of the, the reverse of what the office was where how the office later seasons could have some weak points whereas parks and rec especially the beginning when you had a knockoff jim halpert with the character mark brandanovich yeah is that, that yeah kind of, once he left it got better yeah, I mean, you subbed him out, and yeah, like you said, you get Rob Lowe, Adam Scott. I think that was those were massive improvements to the show. Um, I, I guess the primary reason I left off is just because it's it really is kind of a mimic of the Office formula, um, and just yeah, I, I felt it didn't quite live up there. It's really close to the top five for me. 
but I think it just didn't do enough on its own for me to merit that spot. Yeah, the the only other one I had a big issue with is, you know, I'm a big proponent of How I Met Your Mother. I think How I Met Your Mother is one of the greatest shows. You know, the last season is rough, but there were eight great seasons in there with a lot of character progression. You know, even even people, their issues with it a lot have to do with Ted Mosby, the main character. Yes. But, you know, look at it from a different point of view. He's just a perfect villain then. If you don't like him, he's just someone you root against, and most of the time he fails, so you win. So, like, what's not to like? See, see, that, that's the issue. It's it, To me, How I Met Your Mother, a lot of times, it, it's a very good show, don't get me wrong, uh, but in some ways it's like a worse version of Friends. No, it's a better version going back of Friends. To Friends. So, I mean, the worst character on Friends is Ross. And so, How I Met Your Mother basically creates Ted, who is like Ross, and they make him the focal point of the show, which is, if you're going to learn anything from Friends, that the one thing would be to... Not do that. It's that, that. That's the primary issue I have. Just like you said, I mean, Ted Mosby is the re- real big drawer of the criticism for the show, and I, I think that's that's what frustrates me the most about it. Um, but other than that, I, I do like the show. I will agree that it is one of the better sitcoms that are out there, especially for how long it went on. Yeah, just you know, a couple last honorable honorable mentions. We don't really have to talk about them, but you know, I'm biased. You know, the league. I think The League is a vastly underrated show. The League was hit or miss for me. Oh, man. So, you know, if you're a bro and you love fantasy football, you, you know, the, the star power in the show is really great. Uh, you know, the best character by far is Rafi. <laughs> Amazing character. You know, you know John LeJoie's character, you know, Taco. You know, the Sacco, the Shiva, fantastic show. And then, you know, another one, I know it's not, you know, you know critically a great show, but Blue Mountain State. <laughs> hey, you know what, man? Blue Mountain State, I thought it for three seasons. It was like the perfect show. Didn't overstay its welcome. Fantastic bro show. But oh, I know okay, that's okay. It's not. Right, Blue Mountain State, let me, I'm going to ask you two back-to-back yes or no questions. Yep. All right, question number one. In watching that show, do you see cookies placed between male butt cheeks? Yes or no? Yes. All right, second question. Do you consider this to be much-watched TV, this show? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. That, that's all I had for you. Yeah, absolutely. Don't don't hate on what I love. How dare you, sir? All right, well, on the flip side of this, I, I think there's there really are some terrible sitcoms out there. There's a and lot. There, there's no limit on how many terrible sitcoms they are. If I'm being honest, one of the ones that would have made it for me based on how long it went on was Two Broke Girls. That, that show somehow made it that how, how long did that go on that was for six seasons from 2011 to 2017 and really the only thing the best thing about it were sex jokes and racial asian jokes which if that's the best thing you have going for you it's not a good place to be so i mean the, the characters weren't likable the the comedy was forced it it was just a terrible show altogether yeah you know i don't have that much experience with it but like I don't know. They must have done something right, Nathan. They were on for six seasons, and like all I remember is every time you'd watch like football on like yeah. Sunday, they'd always advertise it. Hey, Jim Nance would be like, "Hey, check out a new episode of Two Broke Girls tomorrow." We could make a homework project to find somebody who actually watched the show religiously and have them explain to us the merits. I don't think we want to meet that person. Yeah. Uh, some other, I guess, honorable mentions I'd like to add in then too are th- there is a show from the 1960s. That lasted a whole season of 30 episodes that is called My Mother, the Car. 
And, and so what this show is about is a man who buys a used car that happens to be the reincarnation of his mother that talks to him through the car radio. That sounds amazing. And, and the first question I have is, how this ever, A, made it into a pitch at a television studio, and B, how somebody heard this pitch and decided that it needed to be made into a TV show. Because, I mean, just starting off, that's terrible. Uh, and then ultimately, the, the one season culminates in the mother saving the day when, uh, I, I believe, gun-toting hooligans, per the episode summary, uh, take control of the vehicle, and therefore she must use her supernatural reincarnation to finally stop them. So it turns into a crime-solving show at the end as well. That sounds amazing. And, you know, do you not think it was inspiration for Herbie Fully Loaded? <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, that, that sounds incredible. I would watch Herbie ten times over before I watched whatever this is. <laughs> but, uh, and, then, and the last thing I'll mention is there was, in 1990, there was a British sitcom that got made that, that I think didn't lasted for one episode before being canceled. That was called... Hail Honey, I'm Home, which followed Adolf Hitler and Eva Braun as a married couple living next door to a Jewish couple in like a kind of funny, I love Lucy yeah. sense. And I don't know how this ever made it to a production floor. You know, it really is incredible that like, you know, sometimes you think about these corporate bigwigs and you're like, oh, those are such smart people, but then they have such terrible foresight. Like, it, it's so bad that, you know, you have to watch it if you can find it. I don't think you can find it anywhere. I mean, but if, if somebody's to walk up to you and say, what's the ceiling for this show? Would somebody honestly say, oh, you know, I think we could do this great Hitler-based show that would last for, you know, eight seasons? There's no season ceiling that's that high for something like that. I mean, how long do they honestly expect this to last, regardless of the, the purely bad premise that they were starting from? You know what? We'll never know. <laughs> Maybe one day there'll be a reboot. Yeah, I think other than that, uh, I mean, there's several bad shows that are out there. There's uh, that 80s show, which was a horrible knockoff of that 70s show. We, we could do a whole show of just spinoffs. Yeah, I think, I think that, once again, the hallmark of a great show is that there are spinoffs, but in most cases, the spinoffs are horrible. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's many cases where you really, really like the spinoff. In most cases, it go terrible. Like, yeah. Joni loves Chachi based off of Happy Days. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, you know what? I thought Frasier being Frasier, a spinoff Frasier of is one of is, those few. Yeah. Shows. Honestly, Frasier is underrated. probably better than underrated Cheers. Underrated show. I, I, I would rather watch Frasier than Cheers if it comes down to it. Yeah. But uh, I, I think that there's... Those would definitely be the exception as opposed to the rule. Especially because most of these spinoffs... I mean, normally you're ending up with a minor character or a subset of characters from the show and you lose the dynamic of the rest of the cast and it's really hard to make up for that that empty void kind of like with joey it's just i don't i don't think it's a viable idea from the start just because the character you know from the show and it's not the same without the balance and the dynamic it, it just doesn't make sense from yeah a, a setting i could see it, that it's just got almost no chance to work um, and last thing I know is that, uh, at one point Rob Schneider had a sitcom, which I think is just a terrible idea. Oh, so. Rob. Yeah, that was the name of the show. <laughs> I, I know it had Cheech Marin in it as his <laughs> father-in-law. That's the best thing about the show. Yeah, I was going to say, if I remember, I remember seeing like one episode, it was like he married to a Hispanic family and was yep. trying to gain their approval. That's essentially yeah. the show. 
Yeah. It, yeah. No, Rob <laughs> Schneider is an overrated actor. All right, is there any other uh, terrible shows that you wanted to add that you just couldn't quite pull the trigger on? No, I mean, some of them are more biased, but, you know, critically, they're probably better shows. But uh, so I'll leave that maybe for another day. But, no, I, I think we did a pretty solid job, partner. All right. Then, I mean, I hope this has been informative. I hope uh, th- this may give you some insight as to, to what to choose next time you're looking for a show to put on in the background. Absolutely. Once again, I mean, it seems like The Office is a consensus between us, so that, that always seems like a go-to choice. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Matt? No, like I said, you know, hopefully you guys enjoy this. We plan to bring you, you know, regular, you know, debates and lists on, you know, on various topics and, you know, hopefully you stick with us through it. You know, you know, if anything, you can just make fun of us the whole time. That's, that's good with us. Yeah. Regardless, it'll be a good time. Yeah. So, you know, until next time, you know, finish your beer that you cracked open at the beginning of the podcast, Nathan, finish your beer. It is finished. But listeners, we'll see you next time.